learning outcomes, I think, just state in a way that I find problematic what is obvious and what any competent teacher is always going to be doing uh, in any case. If you start out saying you need to come up with learning outcomes, then I think people are always going to see that as some kind of top-down thing, not, not something that they, as part of their um, professional day-to-day approach. Writing learning outcomes can be done in a mechanistic form and without any training I think that's what people often end up doing. But it doesn't have to be that way. From IDEA, this is Sound IDEA. Mention the importance of developing good learning outcomes to faculty, and you might get everything from nods of agreement and even amens to rolled eyes or outright hostility. In the eyes of some, the practice has interfered with good teaching and taken up valuable time to a pointless end, while others passionately argue that you cannot construct a good course without them. It's learning outcomes in this edition of Sound Idea. I'm David Pollock. So here are our learning outcomes for today. After listening to this podcast, the listener should be able to, one, differentiate between those who like and dislike learning outcomes, and two, decide for themselves if learning outcomes are a good or bad thing. Developing learning outcomes like this is hardly new in education. The idea has been around for at least the last century or so in a variety of forms. The more recent emphasis on learning outcomes for programs and entire colleges has brought the discussion to a new level of discourse, and the emphasis on creating a culture of evidence at colleges has pushed the assessment of outcomes to new light as well. But it has hardly been without resistance. I just think that will lead to people who uh, think like robots, and robots don't think. They execute commands. Jeff Noonan is a professor of philosophy at the University of Windsor. He says specifying learning outcomes, among other things, limits creative thinking and the free exploration of ideas. Is it always so abundantly clear what it is that will emerge in this particular course right? I mean, this semester, as opposed to any past semester, is it always so clear? And do we want to tie ourselves down so completely and have, you know, administrators or deans or heads police what happens in a classroom, right? Do we want to tie things down so clearly uh, and so mechanically that if the compare and contrast is, is boring students to death and nothing's happening, that we say, forget about that. The ideas are leading here. Let's follow the ideas where they go. In other words, Noonan argues that a reductionist mechanistic approach to designing learning by specifying learning outcomes in detail thwarts not only students' ability to pursue ideas wherever they take them, but it also limits the instructor's ability to adapt a course as needed. So again, I come back to uh, the very real possibility, it seems to me, that a rigid insistence on learning outcomes, designing the course with the learning outcomes in mind, and so not letting anything happen that's not already spelled out in advance, that seems to me fatal to the further development and deepening of, of human thought and creativity. Being so prescriptive about what learning should happen in a course, from Noonan's point of view, is somewhat like painting by numbers. You would get something at the end, but is it organic, creative thought? Where would science be if scientists simply stuck with experiments as designed, right? Oftentimes, the greatest insights 
have resulted from mistakes, from provoking completely and radical, radical rethinkings of assumptions. How you can't, obviously you can't build into a learning, uh, learning outcome, complete and radical rethinking of all assumptions. I mean, that's an accident. That's an emergent property of, of a free exploration of a discipline. Fellow philosopher Ron Cooper, professor of humanities at the College of Central Florida, agrees. Years ago, the American Philosophical Association came out with a statement opposed to learning outcomes because they, they saw it. What one thing they saw was it's kind of restrictive in a class that you hope kind of develops organically. But the argument against learning outcomes often heard is not just that they are limiting. The complaint at times is that faculty are forced to use them, whether or not they believe they are useful. If you start out saying you need to come up with learning outcomes, then I think people are always going to see that as some kind of top-down thing, not not something that they, as part of their um, professional day-to-day approach. You know, it produces bad faith. You know, people, you know, just do it to get out of the way because someone told them they have to, and then they they carry on. Noonan adds that the push for learning outcomes has been detrimental to the campus climate. You know, nothing that contributes to cynicism in an institution is, is good for students or, or for anybody. But some say institutions have not only a right, but a responsibility to ensure that the learning they claim is happening actually is. Uh, there needs to be some coordination of that, and that's not happening in a totally laissez-faire, do-your-own-thing-whatever-you-think-is-you-want-to-do kind of uh, policy. Dee Fink, formerly of the University of Oklahoma and a consultant on learning in higher education, says institutional assessment of learning is necessary. Without it, how do you know for sure that graduates have the skills and knowledge you say they do? One of the major publications on this was done by Derek Bach, a, uh, the former president of Harvard University, where he took about, uh, I think it was uh, eight to ten major learning outcomes like that, that most people would agree these would be good things that students ought to be learning in college, and try to did a, a meta-analysis of research data on how well that's happening. And with every one of them, he, his conclusion was each one of those students are learning some of that, but not nearly as much as most people would think they ought to be learning and could be learning if we used better forms of teaching. So I think we do have a problem uh, with people kind of doing what they want to do. And a lot of times they, students don't get enough writing, don't get enough practice at critical thinking. And, and when they do, we have just totally different uh, forms of what that means, part of which is good. But we also need to say, and what do we mean by that, that we're trying to promote for our graduating seniors? The devil's in the details with a lot of this. Paul Corrigan, an assistant professor of English at Southeastern University, supports the need for evaluating outcomes, but offers some caution. You don't want state legislatures uh, determining the specifics of, of course content, the specifics of how faculty are evaluated. But I, I do think it's within uh, their right to say, all right, faculty, you determine what you want to teach, and then you look in to see how students are learning, and then let us know. So I, I think the higher-ups have a, a right and a responsibility to see that we are looking in, that, that we faculties, professors, programs are looking into the quality of our teaching. Uh, but to go beyond that and start dictating exactly how that should be done, uh, um, 
I think is very dangerous. But it is precisely this confusion between top-down mandated learning outcomes and course-level outcomes that has given a black eye to the whole idea of learning outcomes for many, Corrigan says. Just because using learning outcomes has been mandated in many cases doesn't mean they are not useful. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think if you're against outcomes, you really have in mind, and, and maybe for good reason, something other than what people who are advocating the use of, of this practice of outcomes have in mind. Outcomes can help us uh, make sure like all the parts of our courses make sense and fit together. Uh, we, we can design activities that, that are purposeful and we can communicate that purpose to our students more clearly We say, remember, th these are our goals for the course. This is how I want you to grow. Uh, and this assignment ties into it in this way. Amanda Dickens teaches biology and marine biology at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. So this is where we are going to be at 8 o'clock for the next four weeks, um, but don't worry. Like most instructors, she spends the first part of her course introducing herself and getting to know students. All right, so my name is Dr. Dickens. I'm a marine biologist. Then by probing students' current knowledge, she builds the reasoning behind the learning outcomes in her course. But what makes ourselves so special? Why, um, why can we go swimming and just not have water just come into our bodies and blow us all up and bloat us all up? Right. Membranes, okay? So we're going to learn a lot about membranes. She further explains that the course learning outcomes are interconnected. I'm going to have them listed when we go over chapters, which ones specifically we're covering, because I want you to realize that's what's being addressed, because it's all connected. Everything I teach you in chapter two, you're going to use at some point throughout the class. What we learn in chapter three about organic molecules is going to be used. What we talked about and learned about the cell organelles, we're going to use those later. Okay, so everything is interconnected and builds upon the previous step. She uses the discussion to preview the course and set the stage for what's ahead. That is one thing we're going to learn about. Most of us think DNA. Okay, everybody knows DNA, right? Crime scene and manage crime scene shows. Okay, this is going to be a lot of fun when we get to that point because you're actually going to do a crime scene lab in lab. It's all the mystery. During the discussion, Dickens maps the outcomes for students and makes one final request of them. So these are basically your major learning outcomes. Is there anything else that you thought you'd like to learn and isn't up there? I think that if they are written correctly and approached correctly, they are effective. For Dickens, her course learning outcomes are useful in a number of ways. One of the first things I do in class is ask the students, what do you expect to learn? So if you plan on going to science, why is it important to study a cell? Or why is it important to study biology? And what do you need to know about a cell in order to best understand an organism? So in that way, I kind of walk through the learning outcomes by asking them, what do you think is important to know? Ensuring that students not only understand what the outcomes are, but why the specific ones are there is important to Dickens. Connect it in a manner that the students understand as far as oh, this is why we're learning this. And, oh yeah, this makes sense that we need to learn this before we can learn the next step. So I think that's the effective um, manner to use them. Outcomes can help me frame what it is I want students to learn, how, how I want them to grow. 
And then I can use them to look into whether that happened. When faculty understand the purpose of learning outcomes, Corrigan says they can be very useful tools in making a meaningful course. I've come to find a lot of value in them for a lot of different reasons. I think uh, outcomes help us to name aspects of our own expertise that have become so automatic to us as to be invisible. You know, we, we know what we know so well that we forget we know it and we can't imagine not knowing it. But our students don't know it. So to stop and, and do some serious introspection and put names to the components of what it is we know can help us stop assuming that things are obvious when they're not. Dee Fink adds that the development of meaningful learning outcomes can help faculty put a course together that leads students where they want them to go through the basic backward design process. If you can learn how to do that whole process, identify good learning outcomes, identify the necessary, the appropriate activities for those learning outcomes, and sequence them, the evidence suggests you're going to see a much higher rate of student engagement, both coming to class and being engaged while they're in class, and a much higher level of student learning by their own across the board of individual differences than you have seen to date. Good learning goals expand the possibilities of what students might learn beyond just foundational knowledge and some basic applications. The second thing learning about course design can do for people is give them a toolkit for making that expanded sense of possibilities, in fact, a reality for a much larger percentage of their students. Corrigan describes how this process worked for him. In a literature course, he used to tell students that he wanted them to think critically about the text they were reading. But it was not until he defined exactly what that meant by being very deliberate about defining three learning outcomes that he was able to create a course that actually led students there. I wanted them to be able to ask uh, concrete uh, meaningful interpretive questions about the texts they were reading to be able to consider multiple possible answers or interpretations and to be able to weigh evidence for and against those things. Now, these, these three things, the questions, the multiple possible interpretations, the evidence, you know, anyone who studies literature does these automatically and, and perhaps unconsciously. So without taking time to name them, I, there's a lot of assumptions happening where I could very concretely help students to learn to do those things, but I didn't think to uh, because I didn't take the time to name them. So I've found that naming them and returning to them and building assignments around them uh, and, and, and telling the students these, these are the goals, these are the component parts of this kind of critical thinking I want you to learn has been very helpful and I've seen my courses improve, I've seen the work that they produce improve, as well as their own sense that they're learning. It's a shift in a mindset from focusing on topics to focusing on learning. And until you make that mindset change, you're gonna have trouble writing learning outcomes. And, but once you do, then you know, the door opens, the sky opens, you, it's a very exciting opportunity and, and possibility, but then you've got to learn how to do it and learn how to do it well. Dee Fink and others say one of the problems with the application of learning outcomes is that faculty have often just not been adequately educated about their value or how to construct them. I think writing learning outcomes can be done in a mechanistic form, and, and when you're, uh, if, without any training, I think that's what people often end up doing. But it doesn't have to be that way, and, and that's not the way it works when it's being done right. 
uh, if someone can demonstrate to me <laughs> that putting a set of learning outcomes on my syllabus uh, and, and conforming my uh, teaching practice to them uh, helps students learn better, I'll change my opinion. But as of yet, and I've been making these arguments for about a decade since uh, you know the conversation at my university first started happening, uh, I'm happy to change my view, but I haven't heard the argument yet. And so the debate continues. Ensuring that faculty are participants in the process seems to be one important component of promoting the use of learning outcomes on a campus. The top-down command to use them can turn off a lot of faculty. Another is developing ways of helping faculty understand the value of developing course-level outcomes that help them construct an effective course. Until that happens, it is likely that faculty on some campuses will continue to resist. Or is it that learning outcomes are not for everyone, and those instructors should be left to their own devices? What do you think? Do you have ideas for how to motivate and educate faculty about learning outcomes? How do you reconcile the top-down mandate for program-level learning outcomes with the pedagogical value of course-level outcomes? Let us know your thoughts on this podcast page or email us to share resources. For IDEA, I'm David Pollack.